What is up, Mariners fans? I'm Seattle Sports Media's utility infielder, Andy Patton, and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Mariners dropped a heartbreaker in 13 innings to the Houston Astros on a walk-off two-run home run from Michael Brantley. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly from that game in segment one. And then in segment two, I'll do a deep dive using advanced analytics to talk about backup catcher Tom Murphy and the ridiculously good season that he is having. Finally, we have just one Mariner birthday to celebrate today. Stay tuned to find out who. But first, let's talk about Bombas. Bombas are what feet daydream about. With every pair of socks purchased, one pair is donated. I know all you Seattleites could use some new socks with the cold weather coming soon. Buy your Bombas at B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash locked and get 20% off your first purchase. All right, it is virtually impossible to cover the scope of this baseball game in just seven minutes, but I'm going to do my very best to do so. Yesterday's game for the Mariners was absolutely insane. The Mariners scored seven runs in the first two innings and got scored 11-2 after that, yet the game still went into 13 innings. Four runs were scored in extra innings. The Astros scored three runs in the eighth inning. Kyle Seeger hit two home runs. Austin Nola hit two home runs. Kyle Tucker hit his first home run for the Astros. It was insanity. Uh, there's just there's no other way to look at it. Unfortunately, the Mariners did not come out ahead. Um, it's really, really hard to find the joy in a game where a team was up 7 to nothing and lost. Um, there were some good things. Uh, Marco was not one of them, unfortunately. Um, he did not have his best outing of the year. He's been really up and down, especially lately. He started out the year well, and then he had kind of a, a long stretch that was not so good. And then since then, it's kind of felt like it's been even more roller coastery than it was before. Uh, he went five and a third in this one. He gave up four earned runs, seven hits. That is not good. But the main issue, he didn't strike anybody out, and he had five walks. The Astros are one of the most strikeout-prone teams in the league. They've kind of prided themselves on having those high strikeout guys. Um, obviously, Jordan Alvarez has a lot of strikeouts. George Springer, he didn't play today, but he's a big high strikeout guy. That's always kind of been a knock on him. Uh, and so they just, you can't not strike anybody out. Um, the Mariners only had, it looks like Zach Grotz led the team in strikeouts. He threw two innings in relief in the uh, extra innings, and he had four strikeouts. Dan Altavia had a really nice inning. He threw one scoreless inning, and he struck out everybody he faced. That's fantastic. I'm actually a big Dan Altavia fan. I hope to get into him longer in another podcast someday because I think he has the stuff to be a future late-inning guy. He obviously hasn't put it together. That inning lowered his ERA to 7.04, so clearly he's not a guy we're talking about as a late-inning late option right now. But I like him. I think he's got some good stuff. But when you have... Two, you know, one a reliever who throws one inning and strikes out more guys than your starter did in just about six innings. You're obviously having some issues. And Marco, you know, he's never been an overpowering guy. You know, his fastball barely scrapes 90. Uh, he relies a lot more on a cutter. He's got a great changeup, uh, but he's really relying on that changeup. When that changeup is on, he looks fantastic. We've seen him strike out. I believe he struck out eight against the Astros at some point last year. He's when he's on, he's on. But he really lives and dies by that changeup. And I think when teams are on the changeup or when he just isn't feeling it that day, things can go south pretty quick. And again, it's you know it's not like he gave up eight runs. He gave up four runs. I mean, he was actually relatively close to having what would be considered a quote-unquote quality start. But five walks and zero strikeouts is 
ugly. It's not going to get it done. And Marco rarely has this much issue with the strike zone. I, I don't know, you know, whether he just wasn't feeling it today, um, whether he was getting pinched. It didn't seem like it on the broadcast, but hard to say. Anyway, this game was crazy. Um, it was really awesome to see Kyle Seager continue to be absolutely dominant. Um, got 20 home runs on the year now. Uh, he went two for six with the two home runs. He had three RBIs. Uh, Nola, who had been really struggling, you know, he had an ugly, ugly month of August. I actually was planning to talk about him in my Statcast Friday segment that I did, that I'm going to do after this. Um, but after he, hit, I was tr- going to talk about here's how good he was at the beginning of the year, and here's why he was really struggling in August. But it felt wrong to talk about a player's struggles after a day where they had five RBIs and three runs scored and hit two home runs. So I'm going to table that. Maybe he'll have another hot week, and then we'll be talking about him in a different capacity. Who knows? I like him. I think he could be really good. We're talking about Nola here. Um, But, uh, yeah, he had a really, really rough month of August. Anyway, D. Gordon went two for six. He stole a base. Dylan Moore had a couple of hits. Braden Bishop went 0 for six. The dude is just not getting it done. I want to root for him. For those of you who don't know his story, we're hopefully we'll, we'll be able to talk about it more in, a, in another time. But you know, he's from University of Washington. Uh, his mom has Alzheimer's, and he has a foundation that he raises money for Alzheimer's relief. And like he talks about her a lot, and he goes on a lot of podcasts and stuff. It's a really inspiring story. He's a really great kid, but he's not he's not getting it done at the dish right now. I mean, he's he's hitting point zero nine eight. I don't even know how to say that. He's hitting ninety eight. It sounds weird when you say it out loud. It's not good when your batting average sounds weird. Um, I do think he's got the potential, I've talked about this before, to potentially be a uh, fourth outfielder, like a capable one, like a a Ben Gamble type guy, you know, maybe Guillermo Heredia. Um, But he's not there right now. He's not even close, and he's 25. He doesn't have a lot of time to get to that potential. I think that that potential is maybe... He, he could be that guy for a couple of years, and that's it. I think that's about the ceiling that we have with Braden Bishop. And I do hope he gets there, sincerely. I'm just not all that confident in it at this point. He hasn't really given me any reason to be. Jake Fraley went one for six. He did have an RBI, but he's hitting a buck 58. Also a guy that I'm concerned about. I'd rather try, you know, he had a really great minor league season. I'd rather focus on that than focusing on his struggles in the big leagues. He might just be fatigued. It's obviously his first taste of the major league action. I'm a little bit more confident in him going forward, but, you know, the bottom of the lineup today or yesterday went 1 for 12. That's not good. That's part of the reason that they didn't get anything done. You know, they they went the 3rd through the 6th without scoring and then the 8th through the 11th without scoring. You can't do that. You know, you can't go even in a 13-inning game. They went 8 innings, 9 innings without scoring a run. That's problematic. Even if you score seven in the first two, if you can't get any score, he runs after that, especially if your pitching falls apart, which is what happened. Anthony Bass had a bad outing. Sam Tuivalula gave up a run. Zach Gratz gave up a run. And then Matt Whistler gave up the two-run home run to Brantley to to lose the game. So tough one. Not a whole lot else to say. I mean, there could be. (laughs) There could be plenty more to say, but uh, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, We're going to get into our second segment where we're going to dig into Tom Murphy and how excellent he has been this season for the Mariners. When you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and ibuprofen at 10 a.m., Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. 
Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code LOCKEDON today. All right, happy StatCast Friday. So, for those of you who are new to StatCast Friday, I pick a player or a team, I pick something, usually a player, and I talk about how they're doing this year and maybe kind of digging a little deeper into their numbers using for hitters, oftentimes launch angle, exit velocity, hard hit rate, some of those more advanced stats that I know many of you are probably very familiar with and some of you may be less familiar with, and so we're kind of going to talk about them and maybe provide some context as to why a certain player is performing the way that they are. So for today, I wanted to talk about Tom Murphy. For those of you who have not been paying attention to the Mariners this year, first of all, I'm really glad you're listening. Thank you. Uh, But second of all, Tom Murphy is the Mariners' backup catcher, and he has had an outright awesome season it's it's been incredible to watch what he's done he you know he, he'd been with the rockies for parts of four big league seasons before this he got released he came over to the mariners on i think a minor league contract wasn't really expected to do a whole lot you know by the time he got to seattle he was already 28 so it kind of seemed like he had maybe missed the window to be a very productive big leaguer and instead he's got 17 home runs He's got 28 runs scored, 36 RBIs. He's got a pair of steals, which is weird. He's hitting 279 with a 315 on base percentage. Uh, he's got a 131 WRC plus, which means he's 31% better than the average hitter. He's got a 2.5 WAR, which I believe would be a top 10 for a Mariners catcher all time per, for a single season. I know that his 17 home runs is tied for sixth all-time. Keep in mind, he's a backup catcher. He's played in 64 games this year. That's less than half. Likely, depending how the rest of the season shakes out, I know Omar Narvaez is battling an injury, although he did play yesterday. But depending how the season shakes out, Narvaez will probably play in roughly half of the Mariners' games. And he will be nearly, if if he hits one more home run, he will be a top-five Mariners catcher by single-season home runs as a backup. That is wild. Now, digging in a little bit deeper on some of Tom Murphy's numbers, it's it's interesting because Murphy for he played his home games for the last four years in Colorado, so you'd expect to you wouldn't expect to see a power surge when he moves to T-Mobile Park, which is not known as a hitter's park. And the rest of the AL West really, the Rangers have a hitter's park, but the rest of the division really doesn't. Whereas the NL West, most of them are hitter's park, and the Rockies being the kingdom. Of hitters parks so it's interesting so that would be that's usually a place to look uh, obviously and i've talked about this a bunch and i'm sure i will continue to talk about it there is the element of the baseballs are a little bit different but tom murphy had 10 career home runs in parts of four seasons coming into this year he hit 17 this year that's not just because the baseballs are juiced there is more at play than just that obviously um, for murphy really just taking a, a kind of a cursory glance at some of his stat cast data um, a lot of times with these guys, they attribute it to, to joining the quote-unquote launch angle revolution. I know that was a big thing with Logan Morrison. It was a big thing with C.J. Crone. Uh, there have been a lot of other hitters who've kind of suddenly had power surges later in their career, and they call it the launch angle revolution, which effectively just means they're trying to hit the ball in the air more. 
Uh, it's funny, there's a lot of people who are very anti-analytics and they think like, well, you know, they never use these terms and blah, blah, blah. And sure, hitters probably aren't walking around saying, yeah, I tried to up my launch angle. They might be now. They certainly weren't ever saying that before. But they do say, hey, well, we need to start to try to hit the, air, the ball in the air more. You need to try to get some lift. You need to get under the ball, put some backspin on it. Those kind of coach speak conversations that have been happening for decades, um, borderline centuries, there, we just have a new term for it in the analytics world, launch angle. Uh, and we can quantify it. We can put numbers on it. So Murphy, the average MLB launch angle is 11.1 degrees. Um, Murphy's has always been above that. So it's not that he's just joining the launch angle revolution as much as he's always been a part of it. But part of your launch angle being successful is you have to hit the ball hard. I mean, again, I'm not, we're not reinventing the wheel here. This is pretty, pretty simple stuff. Um, the reason that the launch angle revolution, for lack of a better word, really works is if guys are hitting the ball hard. Because obviously, hitting fly balls that don't leave the yard are hits like less than a one hundredth of a time. Maybe less than that, to be honest, because fly balls get caught all the time. You know, sometimes you'll you'll sneak one off the wall, which obviously will go for a double. Sometimes you'll just find a little area where nobody was. But for the most part, if you're hitting a bunch of fly balls. You need to be hitting the ball hard or else it's not working for you. And that's been the case with Murphy. Um, the, the exit velocity is the other kind of number that often goes along with launch angle. And the MLB average exit velocity is 87.5 miles per hour. For the year, Tom Murphy's is 90.6. He's smoking the ball. He's hitting it really, really hard. The uh, StatCast or Baseball Savant is where a lot of this data is, is kept. Uh, Savant has his hard hit rate at 45.4%. That's extremely hard. That means that nearly half of the time, Murphy's hitting the ball harder than 90 miles per hour. That's what is considered a hard hit. That's really good. Last year, in an admittedly very small sample size, he hit it hard 24.5% of the time. So it's came up nearly 20%. So for Murphy, you're looking at a guy who he didn't reinvent his swing in the sense that he started trying to hit more fly balls. His launch angle is 19.6 degrees. That's good. It was 20.8 last year. It was 17.1 the year before that. It was 20 the year before that. So it's been pretty consistent that he's had a launch angle considerably higher than the rest of the league. He just started hitting the ball harder. And that'll do it. If you can start to hit the ball a lot harder while you're hitting it in the air. Now, the fact that Murphy's hitting the ball hard in the air, it's it's not helping his batting average. You know, guys who hit a bunch of fly balls hit a way higher rate of fly balls than everybody else. They don't hit 300. You know, they barely hit 270. Some I'd be surprised if many of them hit 270. Because, you know, a fly ball that's not a home run isn't out. So, such a high percentage of the time. And for Murphy, uh, what often comes with this kind of launch angle and fly ball revolution and guys who are swinging out of their shoes and trying to hit a bunch of home runs is they strike out a lot. Now, that is another thing that has been characteristic of Murphy throughout his career. It's nothing new. But he is striking out, at this point, 33.2% of the time. That's really high. Um, like, really, really high. It's not Keon Broxton high, because that's another level of elite uh, in a bad way, obviously. But Murphy striking out 33% of the time is, is pretty horrendous. Um, he's only walking 4.7% of the time, too. So when we talk about three true outcomes players, which are players that hit a lot of home runs, draw a lot of walks, and strike out a lot, you know, the Adam Dunn's of the world, the Dave Kingman's, for those of you who are a little bit older, Jim Tomey was one of them. You really need to draw a lot of walks to be that guy. Dan Vogelbach is a great example of this because he does strike out a bunch. He's worked on it. He's gotten it down, but he still strikes out a bunch. Not as much as Murphy, but a bunch. But he also draws a lot of walks. 
In fact, I, I'm willing to bet, without even looking it up, that Dan Daniel Vogelbach's walk rate is double Tom Murphy's because he's really good. He's got a good eye at the plate. So for Murphy, we're looking at a guy who he's hitting 275, which is awesome. Um, that's higher than you would expect from a guy who hits a lot of fly balls. His X batting average, which is a stat that people uh, have created where you combine a player's launch angle and their exit velocity and you take park factors and into play depending on where they were each game, and it spits out a projected batting average. This is what you should be hitting based on your launch angle, your exit velocity, blah, blah, blah. Murphy's is 208, and he's actually hitting 275. It's hard to do a lot. I really I like X stats. I think they're very interesting, but it's it's hard to do a whole lot with that because it's they're not predictive necessarily. I think somebody would say that, see that, and think, okay, well, up to this point, Murphy has actually hit 275, but the data on his baseball said he's should be hitting 208. Therefore, his batting average is going to come down. That's not necessarily true. Because Murphy could change things to a swing. There's there's lots of different factors that could change. Baseball is not just a, a you know it's not a bunch of numbers on a screen. You know it's a game with people and real life things happen and there's wind and there's players line up in different spots and there's different pitchers and obviously all this stuff changes. But it is interesting that Murphy is hitting a ton of fly balls and that he's hitting a bunch of home runs, but that he's also got a pretty high batting average. Um, I will kind of almost contradict what I just said in the sense that I do think that Murphy's batting average is maybe a tad fluky. Uh, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be like a 210 hitter or anything. He's clearly seeing the ball really well right now. Um, but it is it is odd that he has really embraced hitting a bunch of fly balls and has still managed to hit really well. Now, strangely, Safeco being such a big part could be helping him in the sense that a lot of fly balls tend to go for doubles at Safeco Field, excuse me, T-Mobile Park. Um, a lot of balls go for doubles or even triples there that they may not be hits otherwise because the outfitters don't have as much ground to cover. Uh, that is a more of an estimate on my part. I don't have a lot of uh, data to back that up, despite this being a StatCast Friday segment. It's just a potential observation. Regardless, Murphy has been fun. He has been exciting. He has been one of the 10 best catchers in Mariners history in a season where he has only played 64 games. That is fun. That's a cool fact. It's something you can say you remember about the 2019 Mariners because, frankly, there may not be a ton of things you want to remember. You'll remember they started 13-2. and Hopefully you'll remember it's the year they first acquired Jared Kalanick, even though he's not going to play in the big leagues. Maybe it's the year that Justice Sheffield. <laughs> it's the Dan Vogelbach year. We will remember that. And maybe, maybe we'll remember the fact that Omar Narvaez and Tom Murphy combined to be the greatest catching combination in Mariners history and are barreling towards being the greatest catching tandem of all time. All right, I know I sound a little bit like a broken record on this, but we ran a little bit long in the second segment there. Thankfully, there's only one birthday for us to celebrate today, so we will get through that. Today is September 6th, and we are celebrating the birthday for former, again, Mariners pitcher Nick Rumbelo. Nick Rumbelo is turning 28 today. So, Rumbelo played for the Mariners in 2018 and a little bit this year. Uh, he originally came up with a member as a member of the Yankees, and then the Yankees traded him to the Mariners for J.P. Sears and Juan Ten, and then he came was with the Mariners for a couple of years. The Mariners ended up reacquiring Juan Ten, as you may remember. Uh, he's a right-handed pitching prospect in their system. And then the Mariners ended up releasing Nick Rumbelow, and he caught on with the Mets. So he's kind of been 
he was a big guy by the Yankees. They liked him a lot. The Mariners got him. He came up. He hasn't been very good. He threw 17.2 innings with the Mariners in 2018. He had a 6.11 ERA. He did have 16 strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings, which isn't bad. Uh, he only ended up throwing in three games for the Mariners this year. Uh, it was a disaster. He gave up four earned runs in just one and a third innings. He gave up two home runs. He only struck out two. He walked one. Just did not look good. Now he's in the Mets system. The Mets were kind of out there acquiring a whole bunch of relievers. He hasn't pitched for them just yet. Um, not sure if he's going to be in their September plans over there. But, you know, he's still still kicking, and hopefully he can find a way to carve out some kind of career for himself. Um, and honestly, who knows? Maybe he'll find his, find his way back to Seattle for a third time. Regardless, that's going to be a happy 28th birthday to Mr. Nick Rumbelow. All right, coming up next week, I'll recap the rest of the series against Houston. Hopefully it will go a little bit better than yesterday's game. And I'll answer some fan questions in our Mariners Mailbag Monday segment. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at, at @AndyPattonSEA. You can find the Locked On Mariners podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and go Mariners!